Two. Today we're going to talk about sleep, and I know it's almost bedtime for most of us. Um, so let's start with the basics. Let's start with you, Milan. Do you even sleep? And if so, give us some of uh, the details. Do you just go to bed when you're tired? Do you have a routine? Do you have like, oh, I want to sleep this many hours? Uh, do you wake up at a specific time? Do you wake up whenever your girlfriend says, get out of bed, bum? Basically, just tell us, how do you sleep? So first of all, I don't sleep because I'm not an underperformer like you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I sleep around, I try to get around like seven and a half hours. And I think I started doing that like a very long time ago when I read somewhere that, you know, you have like one and a half hour sleep cycles. And then, or yeah, you had like an app and then you just fill in uh, what time you need to get up. And then it says, oh, you need to go to bed at this time. And I tried that and it kind of worked for me that I woke up, you know, not like that, that you're waking up in a light sleep. So I think okay, I so just... can you can you briefly cover what those slight sleep uh, cycles are? Oh. I mean, you have like, I think you have like one and a half hour cycles in which you have whatever is happening over there. I, man, that's, that's a long time ago. Yeah, so the base, the basic version is you just have different stages of sleep. Uh, a lot of people will have heard of REM sleep, so the rapid eye movement. Uh, which ironically is it's very deep sleep, but your brain is actually very active and you're dreaming and stuff, I believe. Um, but moral of the story is you just have different phases in sleep. And if you're in a very deep stage and then you wake up because your alarm clock goes, you'll be super groggy because it's not natural to wake up in the middle of a deep sleep phase. Like from that phase, that phase would end and then you would go in a lighter sleep and then you wake up naturally, but you would never normally wake up in deep sleep. So basically alarm clocks mess with that. Mm. And the idea of that app that you mentioned is uh, that it knows like, oh, sleep stages are this long. So if you sleep now, then your fourth stage will be done at this time. So it's better to wake up than at this time. And sleeping, for example, 20 minutes longer might make you feel worse because you then wake up in uh, in deep sleep. Wait, so then the idea is with these like seven and a half hour nights that you have, Milan, is like you wake up in a lighter phase of sleep, so you're not tired in the mornings, right? But mm -hmm. then can you do that like every day? Do you always wake up naturally or do you still need an alarm? Oh, I need an alarm, an alarm for sure. But that's actually also funny. I don't have a regular alarm. I have like a wake up light so it's it's next to my head and then it's uh i think i'm not sure how long it takes but it like slowly you know gets brighter uh does but it in make the end, uh, does it make bird sounds yeah so okay so first the light goes up from like until very bright and takes like i think uh, 20 minutes or something but i think quite often i'm still asleep so then the bird sounds start and I like chirping and then I wake up. So I actually, I had one before as well until it broke. Um, 
they the company has done some science on it and uh, there is some indication that even when you have your eyelids closed uh, you can still detect a little bit of the light in your environment so mm. as a as either sunlight or that light starts coming in your body starts realizing oh it must be early day it's time to wake up uh, that's just a very weak wake up sound it's not like oh i detect a little bit more light boom it's not the same as an as a real alarm but it helps make mm -hmm. the transition a little bit more gradual it's very similar to what you uh, mentioned with the app both of these things will help you just it doesn't help you get more out of your sleep it just helps you not feel crappy when you wake up yeah but so you don't use the um, that app anymore that uh, sleep cycle no, no. No, so what, what do you do? What do you do right now? Like how when, uh, when do you go to bed? When do you wake up? Or is it always different? Yeah, it's it's slightly different. But I so usually around ten, like I I try to get ready for bed, and then um, I typically set the alarm at like six thirty. Wow, um, that's that's eight and a half hours, right? Yeah, but usually it takes some time before I, okay, so I have a really bad habit of like checking the news and whatever, uh, just before Bitcoin I go to bed. Bitcoin course, right? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> like it's stupid. I know that you shouldn't have your phone with the whatever yeah. light uh, right before you go to bed, but I don't know. Like for me, it doesn't affect me at all. I just get tired when... I don't know, like reading the news or, or whatever. Where... That reminds me to a bunch of things that I'm going to bring up later. Um, but yeah, one thing to cover now is um, in sleep science, which we'll also cover in a bit, uh, they make the distinction between actual sleep and time in bed. And often when you ask people, how much do you sleep? They actually mention their time in bed. So when mm -hmm. they go to bed, but then either they're on their phone or maybe they have some quality time with their partner or uh, whatever, like maybe they actually just don't fall asleep straight away simply because they can't. Um, so the time people actually sleep is usually a little bit less than the time, than their bedtime. And people kind of forget that even though it's kind of obvious. How about you, Floof? Uh, do you sleep every now and then? I sleep sometimes. <laughs> now, for me, um, I don't know. I feel like my sleeping habits change all the time. Uh, currently, they're not at their best, um, but they could be worse. So basically, I try to get into bed at 10, um, but it depends on how social I am that day. Um, but yeah, no, in general, I try to like, so ideally at 9.30, I would start my bedtime routine. You know, I would like take a shower, brush my teeth, calm down a little bit. Um, because if I don't have... What are you doing? Meditation or what? <laughs> oh my God. Like to, um, me, to me, if I have to brush my, my teeth and um, take a shower, that's super stressful. It's not... If I have to do all that in 30 minutes. Oh no. Well, I mean, so basically the thing is it's like, if I start that at 9.30, like, I don't know, my shower is like five minutes. It's not very long. And then I brush my teeth for 
two minutes because that's what you have to do of course um and then like i'll do like my like face routine uh right like rub weird serums on it um and then i who invited females to this show (laughs) hey quinn quinn does this too i'm pretty sure (laughs) he he is talking about i don't use rituals (laughs) (laughs) no but basically so if i if i read a book then that's uh, that'll help me calm down before i go to bed but if i'm like milan and i um, am on my phone like reading nutrition tactics you know then uh then it gets hard you get excited so uh in all seriousness (laughs) I don't understand people who take a shower before they go to bed. Like I am an, I need a shower or I want a shower to wake up because then I feel fresh the rest of the day. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm a morning. What, what about you, uh, Milan and Quinn? When do you take a shower? Well, do you guys even shower? And if so, free sleep or? I don't morning? think Milan showers. <laughs> definitely not judged by the well, you just always smell like Paco Rabanne. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> to cover the sweat smell. <laughs> no, but no. actually funny because I think I had a small discussion about this with, with you, Ale, right? Because I was the, I was the same as you, Jorn. So I said, why, why would I shower before going to bed? Because in the morning, like, yeah, that's, that's when I need a shower. Uh, and if you take a shower before to going to bed and it's like warm and you're a bit sweaty and then you wake up and you need to shower again. Um, so yeah, I'm only morning shower. Yeah. And Quinn? It's interesting. I love my showers. I think you, everybody should shower before going to bed. Like I can't get into bed if I haven't showered and I feel nice and clean. But I think in general, my bedtime is probably a lot longer than most people. I like being in bed. And if I've gone into bed after a long day, especially if I haven't showered, then I just don't feel comfortable. So but I, I have the same like, thing. I just have that in the morning. Like Yeah, but you, I completely get like showering to wake up, right? And then maybe you have like a colder shower. And I, But if you have like a nice warm shower before bed, then it even gets you a little sleepy in my opinion. Yeah. But do none of you shower both in the morning and in of the course. evening? Okay, good. Yeah. My God, you guys, I'm going to tell Luke about this. You guys have way too much free time. Um, <laughs> shower shaming us. Yes. Um, so my sleep is pretty straightforward. Uh, it was like for years, it was like exactly how I wanted it. COVID kind of messed it up. Um, but I used to have for a very long time and I'm basically now starting to get back into it. My routine was sleep at 10. And then I mean sleep at 10 wake up at six so that's eight hours then basically first thing in the morning uh do some exercise then take a shower efficient uh, and then start my my work day my university work day Uh, so that was just eight hours of sleep Um, because i'm gonna make a bold statement here um no i'm gonna discuss something else first has any of you heard of the term revenge bedtime procrastination? No, enlighten us. So uh, (laughs) it means that most people, they just have a busy life or at least they think they have a busy life. And it doesn't really matter what stage of your life you're in. You usually wake up, you kind of have to rush, go to school, go to work, take care of your kids. Uh, Then you get home at five. You eat dinner, make dinner, uh, put 
the kids to bed. If you're a little bit younger, you're lucky, you still do some exercise maybe in the evening or something social. And then when you finally don't have any obligations anymore, it's like 10 o'clock in the evening. And it's the first time you really get to make your first choice. Like the rest of the day was already set in stone. So uh, revenge, uh, bedtime procrastination means that because for the first time in a day you get to decide what you do, you're not going to go to sleep because then that just means that your entire work week, you didn't make any choice. Then you basically accept that the entire work week your whole schedule is filled anyway. You're basically a slave. That's the psychology. So people, even though they know they should sleep eight hours, they rather just watch Netflix for at least one hour at the expense of sleep because at least it feels like they made the decision. No, I'm going to do something fun. Uh, so yeah, it's called revenge bedtime because even though you know you should go to bed and that it's so smart and good for you, you want to feel freedom. So people want to be rebels, basically. Um, and I think revenge is a good word for it because that gets to my next point. I'm going to make a bold statement. Uh, and that is, I think that sleep is the most productive thing you can do. Nothing comes close. Not, not work, not training, not basically nothing. Um, why? Because almost any biological research that you can think of, there's pretty clear science that sleep just makes it better. Uh, whether that's just your intelligence, uh, whether it's your focus, whether it's your metabolism, uh, any kind of health parameter, if you don't sleep enough, it's worse. So to simplify, there's hundreds of things going on probably thousands of things. And on all of them, you just score a little bit worse if you don't sleep optimal. Uh, and there's nothing you can do with that extra hour that is worth more than that collective effect. Now, don't get me wrong. If you have like the most important presentation of your life tomorrow morning, then spending one extra hour rehearsing that presentation might be worth it because that presentation is so important, but still net that hour of sleep would be more productive because it just decreases 2% chance on this disease. Uh, the focus the rest of the day, etc., etc. So sometimes you make a deliberate choice. I, I don't sleep as much because I want to focus on one priority right now, but just net one hour of sleep, I think is just so good for your body uh, that nothing comes close to it. So I think any, everyone should aim for eight hours of sleep. It's, again, it's not easy because there's so many things you should do in a day uh, that's hard to fit eight hours in. But yeah, that's that's my statement. So I'm curious if anyone disagrees because there's plenty of people who think like sleep is for lazy people, just get out of your bed, blah, blah, blah. What do you guys think? I mean, I agree, but I do think that at some point, uh, you have enough. So uh, probably like if you already sleep eight or nine hours, yeah, then is it really more productive to have like 10 hours? I don't think so. Don't think that would that's, really make the that's difference. That's uh, a good point, but I honestly don't know anyone who can routinely sleep 10 hours. 
like if you sleep 10 hours, that usually is because you were exhausted from like almost burned out and then you sleep for 10 hours, three days in a row. And after that, it's going down anyway. Um, however, there, there are some studies. Uh, this is all very difficult to control, but I've, uh, I've seen a study where they looked at uh, injuries in athletes and then how many hours people sleep. Uh, and basically every hour that people sleep, injury rate is less, except going from eight to nine hours, it actually increased. Uh, is there a good reason for that? I don't know. Maybe it's not a causal uh, effect. So maybe if you're injured, then you can't go to work and therefore you just sleep in because you have nothing else to do. I don't know. Um, but that could be an argument that maybe after eight hours, okay, now... <laughs> Now you got, you squeezed all the good out of uh, sleep. So, but I, I agree with you. I'm going to rephrase. I think sleeping up to eight hours is the most productive thing you can do. After that, I'm not sure if the extra, if you get a positive return on investment, basically. Yeah, mm -hmm. actually, that was the question I wanted to ask as well, because I'm quite aware in literature anyway, they do say that, yeah, seven to nine hours is optimal. If you sleep less than seven, it's pretty bad for you. Um, but now you guys are saying, well, if you sleep more than eight, then it might also be bad for you. And you did just bring up the point that yeah, maybe like it's not possible to sleep routinely 10 hours every day. But actually during one summer vacation, I was just like, screw it. I have nothing to do. I'm just going to sleep as long as I want. And I think it really also comes down to routine and habit because I swear, like for a good week, I slept nine and a half hours every day <laughs> and I didn't wake up feeling any better or any worse, but I was just like, well, now my day is super short and it's holiday. So this sucks. I'm going to go back to how it was before. <laughs> so you even have revenge, uh, sleep, procrastination, even we have nothing to do. You still want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But can it really so be Quinn, bad? I'm speak? just going to edit this as if you are saying that you did this during your internship, then I'm going to send it to Luke, just so you know. And then he still says, I did so well. I'm sure it'll be good. <laughs> but Quinn, so um, I, there's two things that come to mind when you, when you say this. The first one is, I think with age, like they say that the older you grow, the less sleep that you actually need and how kids, they need lots and lots of sleep. Mm. So I don't know which summer this was for you. It was like a couple <laughs> of years ago, maybe you were still a little kid. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> You're like 18, right? <laughs> but the second thing that comes to mind is, um, yeah, I came across this study that they were trying to um, uh, look at the relationship between all-cause mortality and sleep. Mm. Uh, so like uh, looking at different hours um, or like sleep time that you get uh, for night. And indeed, it did show that um, the lowest risk was at the seven to nine hours. But um, not only did sleeping less than seven hours, uh, was that related to higher all-cause mortality, but also if you slept more than nine hours. So okay. I think, uh, yeah, I can't tell you exactly why, but it does show that there's some uh, there's like association there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So very quickly, all-cause mortality. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, all-cause mortality, a simple way to explain it is basically, um, yeah, if, if you have a higher uh, rate of all-cause mortality, then it's the chance that you will die of any cause so it's not just like cardiovascular disease or whatever it's just kind of if you take um, all the deaths uh, for a thousand people in a year um 
just from any death. So I guess it is difficult to explain. Yeah. But, so yeah. like most most people who are not familiar with the term is just like, think like, well, if is sleeping more gonna increase the chance that lightning strikes you? No, but that's simply because lightning kills one in uh, 10 million people. It's just you throw every possible cause on, on a heap and then the very short version is just the chance that you die. And that just becomes more or less. Um, but there, I have the same thing with that uh, with that research because long time ago when I was a student, uh, I had a class about sleep and we were just just uh, discussing it with uh, yeah, with the teacher, why that is. She was like, I have no clue why this is, but you see it pretty consistently in different studies. Um, and it's the same thing, like, is it causal? Because again, like I'm super jealous of everyone who can sleep nine hours or more when you see it going up. And I can only imagine that people who routinely sleep more than nine hours are people who might already have a disease and therefore don't go to work and can sleep nine hours. Because I just, I, I can't imagine being in the position to sleep more than nine hours every day of the week, like on average more than nine hours. So I'm like, maybe that entire group are just people who lay in the hospital who have nothing else to do and therefore they sleep more, right? Like I, like, I don't know, but I would like to see like a group of normal, healthy people who sleep more than nine plus hours. And if then the relationship still holds, then I would be more concerned. Now it's just so weird to me if you can do that, that, you know, I'm just not sure if it's a causal effect. Um, regardless, I don't recommend more than eight maybe eight and a half hours more than that again i don't think there's just time wise it's necessarily positive after that um but yes there are some indications that it might be bad for various things um so it sounds like none of us really has uh, trouble sleeping we all sleep quite a bit which is a shame because my next question is does anyone use or has used sleep aids so something like melatonin or you have all kinds of products that at least claim to help you sleep anyone any experiences i think i've used or i've tried melatonin once in in my life uh, i didn't notice anything um so then i didn't use it again do you uh, do you know what it's supposed to do how, how it works well so melatonin at least as far as my limited knowledge goes. It's not that uh, I've ever given you a lecture about this, so no pressure. It's not like I ever listened during lectures. <laughs> That's a good point. But <laughs> no, but melatonin, um, at least what I think, is that um, when you, yeah, when it becomes nighttime and you have like, you know, like your sleepiness starts coming in, that's like your melatonin is, uh, is being released and that kind of is what makes you sleepy. Yeah. Um, so when you take melatonin, the idea is that it'll induce the sleepy effect it's uh basically a hormone that your body naturally makes and um but you only make it when it's dark so milan mentioned earlier i know i shouldn't be on my phone just before i go to bed because even the light from cell phones has already shown to your body just sees it and that makes less melatonin uh, and therefore uh, either you fall asleep less easily or uh, your sleep quality can be lower. So Milan mentioned like, I still fall asleep, but that doesn't mean that your sleep quality isn't lower. Uh, to be fair, I don't think that 
five minutes on your phone necessarily makes you sleep 12% worse, just making up numbers. Uh, so it's not like, oh my God, I completely ruined my sleep, but it might hurt a little bit. So it's a hormone that you normally only make when it's dark, exactly when you want it. So it just helps you with your biological clock. Um, but you can also just take it as a supplement, which uh, is what uh, Ale um, referred to. Uh, and then, yeah, it should have the same function, should make you sleepy, so fall asleep better uh, and potentially sleep deeper. But no no such luck for you, uh, Ali. Why, why did you buy it, just for fun? or did, how, No, how so it? I didn't buy it. So basically, um, at the time, I had a group of friends who was really into partying. And then so they were and like, you're like party. you take that pill, you take that pill, I'll just take this weak-ass supplement. I'm wild. No, but they, they would party all night and then like, you know, maybe seven in the morning, then um, they want to go to bed, but like the light is up and then they're just like, oh, like, yeah, like I can't sleep. So we take melatonin mm -hmm. and then uh, they gave me melatonin. So it was like, okay, but yeah. yeah. To, be, yeah. Uh, to be fair, there is quite a bit of evidence that shows that melatonin works. Uh, it's just not, it's like, it's not like it's a nuclear bomb. Like I believe on average, this is by top of my, uh, by top of, uh, ooh, I, I wanted to say a Dutch expression translated to English. And then my girlfriend always gives me a hard time. So I'm going to say it correctly by heart, uh, by heart. I believe that with three grams of melatonin, you sleep on average 10 minutes earlier. Well, that's not going to make or break your night. I'm not entirely sure how much it would impact sleep quality, but 10 minutes of sleep is not going to make a huge difference. Um, although for, especially for poor sleepers, like half their, like my dad, for example, is a poor sleeper. Half the battle is when they lay awake and they're like, yeah, I have a feeling that I can't sleep. And then they stress themselves out. So those 10 minutes that you fall asleep earlier can actually be very useful for people with like almost sleep anxiety. Um, but yeah, there, there is some evidence that melatonin can actually work. Where melatonin can also be very useful is um, when you're uh, traveling to different time zones. Because again, it's like the hormone that kind of helps with your biological clock. So if you travel somewhere and it, your body thinks it's supposed to be night, but it's actually light, like with timing that uh, melatonin strategically, you can help hint towards your body okay now now is when you should feel sleep yeah that's a good one i've actually used something else for sleep like specifically uh during traveling because i get uh anxiety on really long flights um and but that's like like an anxiety medication that that will then help me fall asleep but i think the difference is is that when i wake up the next you know after like eight hours i'm really groggy yeah so it's it's not really the best that's that's often what you hear with people it, on any kinds of sleep drugs like they they help you fall asleep but uh like it's not that the drugs know that all in eight hours it's morning time again um okay let's uh, cover the opposite of sleep aids uh stuff that keeps you up so i'm thinking of ecstasy which brings me to quinn what? <laughs> <laughs> now, so as uh, so, the most the most famous one is of course caffeine. Um, so I think it was last week we uh, discussed with Gus about caffeine and coffee, and just very briefly, I mentioned that the first time I bought caffeine as a supplement, I decided to for the first time ever 
take a caffeine pill or capsule, I should say, uh, on a night like we decided, me and my roommate decided, let's pull an all-nighter for the exam tomorrow. Uh, I took a caffeine pill and like 30 minutes later, I said, nah, I got this. I'm going to go to bed. And I just fell asleep straight away. So my first experience with caffeine as a, something that's supposed to not make you feel tired and not like be detrimental with bed was if you're, if you're tired enough, then, uh, then it doesn't do that much. Like you're ultimately your biological drive is stronger than caffeine. Having said that, there is a lot of research that actually shows that caffeine is bad for sleep. Like, yes, it does make it harder to fall asleep. And even if you fall asleep, um, your total sleep time is shorter and the quality of sleep is shorter. So even though that was my experience, uh, the falling asleep part was not an issue for me. Uh, in general, you want to avoid coffee and caffeine before bed. And the effect is quite long lasting. Actually, you want to avoid it for at least six hours, potentially, or probably even more. Um, how is your experience? Like a lot of people drink like a casual cup of coffee after dinner, which is probably not enough to have any real big negative effects. But any of you ever taken large doses of coffee or maybe Red Bull at a party and then regretted it later when it was bedtime? Yeah, personally, I don't know with like, I have a bit of a problem with caffeine, I think, because I love coffee and I love Coke. And both of which are super <laughs> high in caffeine. Um, Dude, I nah. was just thinking about a whole different Coke. Never mind. Go on. I don't have your experience <laughs> with these things. <laughs> um, but as a kid, I would always drink Coke at night, right? Like at parties or just because I had a sweet tooth. And it never really kept me up. So maybe I've been conditioned um, not to be affected by it. But I also know Glenn, for instance, drinks all of his coffee at night. Um, so either we're all like you and we're a small minority that's not affected by caffeine or it is more like you said, and your biological need for sleep is actually greater or overpowers the effects of caffeine. Mm -hmm. um, but, also, but then again, I take it in the yeah. morning and in the morning I'm like, wow, OK, I've had my cup of coffee. I'm ready for the day and I'm super awake and alert. At least I think I am. But maybe again, that's like the placebo effect. I don't know. But I, I think one thing that's just difficult with sleep in general, like you'll never know if with or without caffeine, you would have slept 20 minutes longer or if you sleep like 8% deeper, like mm. You just wake up differently every day. It's just very difficult to say like, yeah, definitely slept 8% better, right? Like it's so subjective uh, that I think it's like, I'm pretty convinced by the evidence that you should avoid coffee uh, at night. Um, do you know anything about, so obviously like caffeine is related to um, lower quality sleep and, and less total sleep, right? But do you know anything about whether it happens in the falling asleep process throughout or at the end because i know with myself that um, i'm actually very sensitive to the effects of caffeine and if i have caffeine either too much even if it's in the morning or just a little bit later in the afternoon i struggle falling asleep so yeah no i i don't know um i know the short question is i don't know but what i do know is uh, something that we discussed last uh, last week with Gus is that caffeine is 
like a crazy thing where people's uh, sensitivity is all over the place. Like I once saw uh, a paper that showed that caffeine sens uh, sensitivity can be a factor 10 different, which means that if you have a cup of coffee, that might feel for someone else as 10 cups of coffee. Like that's insane. So often we talk about personalized nutrition and everyone is different and usually we're very similar, but caffeine sensitivity seems to be something that's quite drastically where we're all pretty pretty unique. So yeah, it is possible that if you just have a little bit of caffeine in the morning that you suffer at night. So do you drink coffee then at all or? Yeah, I mean, I do drink coffee almost every single day, um, but I just know that the way that it affects me is quite different than other people. Like, I mean, I can have, if I have one or two coffees in the morning, so before 10, then I have no issues. Um, but if I have a coffee, maybe any time after one, then I'll already start, you know, I, the effects will be there at night. Or if I take pre-workout in the, in the morning, then I'm just, uh, it's just not okay. So <laughs> yeah. you take pre-workout well, as long yeah, well, as you, when uh, I did, <laughs> as long as you, uh, hit a PR, like that's true. So, um, Milan, we, uh, let's dive a little bit into the sleep science now. Um, we've uh, made an infographic about sleep and cognition. Do you uh, remember it with all the different doses of sleep? Mm-hmm. So yeah, can, you, can you summarize it? Yeah, I think it was the study where they had participants sleep either nine, seven, five, maybe even lower yeah. one level so it was Three. the highest was 8.5 and then the lowest was i oh, know no, it was actually was nine and the lowest was three so it's three five seven nine yeah and i think the i think they then did like um daily cognitive function tests and i think the most uh interesting from that study was that even seven hours uh was like suboptimal they they were not and i think they slowly like went down a bit and then like the nine hours or eight and a half they had like yeah from baseline they went even up a bit uh so so probably the eight and a half was a bit higher than they they would habitually sleep but yeah that's that's pretty crazy that you always have like the recommend recommendation from seven to nine hours but yeah that's there's already a difference between seven or nine hours. Yeah, that that study was like the study that kind of convinced me that sleep was a real big deal because most studies are always like sleep eight hours versus not sleeping at all or sleeping three hours. And I was like, mm. well, <laughs> why would you ever want to do that, right? Um, but that was a study with like very nice doses. And then still you saw that seven was, well, far from optimal. Uh, However, it is important to say that three hours obviously sucks. Then going from three to five, you get like a big increase in, let's call it overall performance. So your brain works better, your metabolism, all kinds of health effects. Going from five to seven, again, quite a big jump, but a little bit smaller. And then from seven to nine, uh, it's not like, oh my God, now my IQ doubles. It's, it's not, not a major effect. But at the same time, that's also the danger. That's why some people say like, oh, seven hours is all I need. Yeah, sure, you're, you're definitely performing, you're sharp, 
but it's just not your optimal. But if you always sleep seven hours, you don't realize what suboptimal is, right? Because again, who who sleeps nine hours? Who has that luxury? Um, but again, I don't I don't necessarily think that you should aim for nine, but I would definitely try to aim for for eight. So yeah, that, I, um... that study, yeah, that that study really convinced me that sleep is important. Uh, then let's jump to well, one of the more extreme studies that, that I mentioned, where they look at quite a lot of sleep versus clearly suboptimal. Um, I don't know if anyone uh, of you remembers it, but a study where two groups went on a diet and uh, one group slept eight and well spent eight and a half hours in bed and the other group is something like five hours in bed. Uh, so quite a big difference. Like if you only spend five hours in bed, that's clearly suboptimal. But I still like the study because the difference between the groups was so big. It was not like, oh, one group had 2% better. Uh, no, the changes on body composition were used. So anyone uh, can summarize that study? I think probably else, only me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wait, wait, no. do we now catch Floof and Quinn that they don't know all our infographics by heart? Hey, I could tell you what's on the infographic. I just didn't <laughs> read the study too well. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's good enough. But let's, uh, let's go ahead, Milan. No, I mean, it was some time ago. Um, so do we now catch that no one here has a decent memory because they don't sleep enough? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it was like a two-week two-week protocol maybe even like uh yeah for sure they it was supervised sleeping i think they were even like uh they were wait they were woken up woken up uh when they they were woke no, yes no but i mean by a researcher woke no, them up yeah, when no, they were sleeping <laughs> when they shouldn't but they were also woke well yes they done waked up <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Okay, now, go on. Yeah, that that's pretty crazy, I think. But so um, what what did they measure I mean, and then what did they uh did they find? Yeah, they I think they had yeah, I don't know remember how exactly they measured body composition, but I do remember they had at least a two compartment model, so just fat mass and fat free mass, so probably DEXA. Um I think but uh, never mind. I'm pretty sure that uh, the so they had like a diet and they both so both groups lost the same amount of weight, but the like the the short sleep group I think they like double of uh, they lost like twice as much lean mass than the the long sleep group and like half of the fat mass uh, weight. Am I saying that correctly? No, no. They it's lost... double the lean mass. And okay. Then... <laughs> yeah. So they they lost way more fat mass and they lost All the, less the, the... lean mass. The ones who slept more. The lost yeah. sleep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in this one, like I think another detail that's good to say was that um, they also controlled like the calorie intake as well. Like yeah. I think they were yeah. uh, both at a 10% deficit. Yeah, so, so they also the control, very like, the simple version is subjects were basically locked at the university <laughs> so yeah. they 
had to go to sleep when the researcher said sleep. They had to wake up when the researcher said wake up. They had to eat exactly what was given while the researchers were looking. So there's no cheating in this study. It's not like, thank you for participating for the next two weeks or two months, whatever, how long a study is. Can you please stick to this diet and this sleep schedule? No, they were supervised everything that they did. That is very expensive, very uh, costs a lot of you know time for the researchers, but it is of course the highest quality because there's no guesswork more uh, involved. And under these highly uh, controlled conditions, you basically see that if you sleep uh, more, you still lose the same amount of weight on a diet. It's just what you lose is totally different. So you maintain your muscle mass essentially uh, much better and you lose a lot more fat mass. So your calorie deficit will still determine how much you lose, but sleep has a yeah just an enormous impact on what you lose, whether that's muscle tissue or fat mass. Quinn, what, what did you want to say before Jorn interrupted you rudely for the second time? <laughs> uh, wait, let me get this straight. <laughs> Whose show is this? <laughs> Who's is the whose last episode is this, Milan? Okay, go on, Quinn. No, I, I, thought, know... I thought this wasn't supposed to be a lecture, but a podcast. <laughs> yeah, how long were we supposed to speak? <laughs> so, did you know that sleep deficiency actually makes you rude? There's there's <laughs> act, there's actual research on that. Yeah, no, I I totally believe that because I'm very rude when I haven't slept. <laughs> <laughs> so is Teresa. Okay. Anyways, Quinn, <laughs> I was wondering if um, the diets were controlled for what they were eating because, if I recall correctly from your infographic, one of the limitations of the study was that they didn't control for what they were choosing to eat. So maybe they had like the same caloric intake, but those that were sleeping less chose to eat like more chips or more bread, and those who were sleeping more chose to eat more protein. No, so uh, no, like how much and what they ate was all prescribed by the researcher. So okay. that was completely so everything controlled. is controlled. Yeah, so that's like in one hand, that's perfect from a research perspective, but it's still not perfect because you can't have perfection because you need to check every possible scenario. So that study shows if you eat exactly the same thing, sleep has a drastic impact on body composition. However, other studies have shown that if you sleep less, that determines how much and what you eat. Mm. So if you uh, sleep less, you actually see that people get more craving for uh, energy dense products, which generally are unhealthy products. So you want chocolate and ice cream and stuff like that. That study that we just discussed where everything was prescribed, it wouldn't see that effect. Right, because everything was what was given to the subjects. So you need one study to show if you eat exactly the same thing, sleep will kind of determine what happens to these nutrients. Do they go to your muscle or to your fat? But then you need a different kind of study where you just say, eat whatever you want to see what the influence of sleep deficiency is on your food choices. Yeah. So, right, that uh, so that's often what you, um, what you hear when people criticize studies is that like, well, this study should have been like this. 
But you need both studies. They're just two different things. One is how does sleep deficiency impact your food choices? And the other one is if you eat exactly the same, how does sleep change the metabolism of those nutrients? Um, maybe one more interesting thing to cover that's uh, relevant for quite a few people and it kind of hopefully it was for me and that's uh, shift work. Has any of you ever had any job that was like shift work related? Um, for me, like, so when you mean shift work, you mean like when you're working at night, right? Yeah. Basically after midnight, like you yeah. definitely want to sleep, but yeah, for me, the, I never had like proper shift work, but the one that was, that went the latest, I would end work at 1 PM, like 1 AM. Uh, so mm-hmm. basically middle of the night. Yeah. And then you uh, still have to yeah. go home, I guess. And then I still had to go home and then like shower so that I get all the ice cream <laughs> off of me. That's when I worked at an ice cream uh, salon. Yeah. That sounds nice. I had to do that for my internship. It was not nice. <laughs> so um, did you get paid extra for that? Like for late hours? No. Nope. So uh, because Quinn just mentioned uh, his internship. So in, uh, in our research group, we sometimes do pre-sleep studies where we give subjects nutrients just before they go to bed and then throughout the night while the subjects uh, are asleep we take like blood samples and stuff and just measure stuff in their metabolism Um, but that requires us uh, to be awake the whole night and you know check on the subject take blood samples and Quinn and I uh, did that for example Uh, that's (laughs) that's why I said like I hope my shift work is uh, over and I don't do these studies again (laughs) Um, but the reason, well, okay. A couple of things. My first study that I ever did was a sleep study. And I was like, yay, I'm going to earn so much money because for sure you you earn extra money when you don't work regular hours. I just thought that those were the rules. Well, then I realized that very quickly that PhDs work a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> so that was disappointment one, but, um, yeah, so over the last couple of years, I've had quite a lot of nights where I just basically work till like eight the next morning, probably even longer, and then still have to go home. Uh, and unfortunately, during all those studies, especially my in that, during that first study, we did it uh, luckily with several people together. Um, but every time we, during the night, we were looking up studies on how bad shift work was just to feel <laughs> A bit pity with ourselves uh, and that's where i read like these studies that if you don't sleep enough you become rude like all these random facts we learned it uh back then but so yes i've done quite a few nights but compared to for example nurses who really regularly do it uh that's a whole nother level of course um, but shift work is really really unhealthy it's uh, incredible if you look in the science of shift workers, uh, just on average, their all-cause mortality is higher. They just are way more likely to get all kinds of metabolic diseases. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for everyone who does it. And I think they should be paid more because it's just one, it's tough, but two, even if somehow you can design your life that, you know, you can deal with it pretty well, uh, it's just unhealthy. 
So any any nurses or any any like guards who work the whole night, uh, props to you. Um, it's not the nicest job, um, but thank you, because we need people uh, at night. But for everyone who for who health is a priority, try to avoid shift work. It's it's really really bad. Is there anything else about sleep we want to cover? Any fun studies you read? Any fun stories? What's the longest any one of you has been awake? Just five days. For real? Yeah. What? No. Yeah, it was horrible. It was really, really awful. And it wasn't by choice. It was, uh, I don't know, like I, I, I struggled a lot with anxiety in the past and the anxiety really like impaired my ability to fall asleep. So I remember I went five days without sleeping. Uh, so at oh. night I would just like be like laying there, like when will the sleep come? But uh, like, I'm not sure about this, but I think like on average you can last like seven days without sleep before you get like permanent damage and not a whole lot longer than that before you actually die. Yeah, so I'm actually supposed to be way smarter than I am now. It's just uh, <laughs> those five days really messed me up. Yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And then just the sixth day, it just happened, or did you get like pills then? Just um, yeah, I think at that point, I just yeah, I just managed to fall asleep, and I think also the the source of my anxiety had uh, had changed. Okay. So so then I finally was able to sleep, but uh, it wasn't great. Wow, that is that's crazy because yeah. you have quite a bit of uh, research that after like one night already cognitive performance is like twelve percent down, and then after two nights it's like eighty two percent. Like it goes super super fast. And this weekend uh, I watched the movie uh, Awake. Anyone of you know it? Like, I know you're all surprised that I watch movies, but my girlfriend makes me. Um, <laughs> but it's basically a movie, I'll, I won't spoil it for everyone, but it's a movie about all of a sudden people can't fall asleep anymore. And then well, what happens to the world if we can't sleep? So uh, Is it a comedy or a horror? No, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like an, I don't know, action thriller, something like that. All right. I don't know the movie, but it does remind me of like what you say that after like, I think like one and a half weeks or two weeks, like you will probably just die. And I think there are also like some rat studies that show that they keep them away awake with some kind of gas or whatever. And then like they go absolutely crazy. And at some point they all die. Yeah. I think within wow. two weeks. So uh, in uh, like the, the lecture I mentioned about sleep, I also have a slide of a news article where a man died from not sleeping because he just forced himself to stay awake during uh, the World Cup. Oh so my it's gosh. just a guy who stayed awake <laughs> for like, I don't know how many days, maybe six days or something in a row. And then he apparently died. So that's, uh, that's crazy. Like obviously in humans, you're not going to do experiments to test how long can humans stay awake without dying? But like uh, Milan says, uh, in, in animal models, it has been done. And it's very simple. You need sleep. And what they also often say is, uh, if you didn't need sleep, it would be the biggest failure of evolution. Like, why would you, why would one third of your life be unconscious in the most vulnerable position there is, if it wasn't somehow good for you? 
Yeah, true. Yeah, because you're right about vulnerability as well. It's not only that you're just being unproductive, you're also yeah. just like... Yeah, like obviously nowadays you're usually quite protected in your home, but in... But from an mm, evolutionary exactly. perspective, you know, yeah. like it's amazing we haven't just all been eaten by li lions and tigers uh, during those eight hours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe for the athletes watching, um, how bad is a small sleep deficiency? So let's say uh, you go party with friends and you just have like a four or five hours sleep. Uh, but you still want to train the next day because that's just your normal routine. Is it a complete waste? Uh, no. For performance, it's pretty clear that missing a couple hours of sleep for one day doesn't have much impact. And the less technical your activity is, the less that it matters. So I know now all the powerlifters are going to be offended, but if you do something like a deadlift, which relatively is not a super skillful thing, uh, it has almost no impact. Uh, but if you do something like, uh, like skill sports, like soccer, there you see more of an effect, uh, already a couple hours of sleep inhibits your performance a little bit. It's not drastic, but there you see it. While with like a strength test, you don't really see it. Um, but multiple days of suboptimal sleep will definitely hurt your performance. Um, and you also see that just a couple days of less sleep will also reduce your muscle protein synthesis, which to keep it simple is just how well you're either growing or adapting to training. So. Uh, again, ideally as an athlete, you would get eight hours of sleep. Let's get back to what we discussed in the beginning, just up to eight hours. It's pretty clear that every hour is just so useful for just about anything. I think that's uh, all I can talk about. Um, I don't know if anyone else has a nice story. Otherwise, uh, it's time. Yeah, maybe anyone has a bedtime story. When it's your time to shine. <laughs> it's my time to sleep and get those nine and a half hours. I mean, it's only 30 minutes until uh, Alice's uh, nighttime routine starts. Yeah, before I smear all those things on my face for beauty. We should, we should just let Quinn do uh, an IQ test now and then force him to do another week of 9.5 and then see if he, if he can actually increase. Yeah, yeah who knows? So any... Um, any suggestions for our ne next podcast? Well, first of all, who are we going to replace Milan with until he learns to behave? And then any suggestions for <laughs> next week's topic? Uh, I was inter interrupting people. Uh, no suggestion. Yeah, I have to think about that one. Oh, you guys sound super passionate about a lot of topics. We're just really sleepy right now. <laughs> okay, I'll uh, I'll let you go. Good night, everyone. Bye. And uh, well, I'll see you tomorrow at work. Yeah, see you there. Ciao, guys. Good night. See you guys. See you.